I'm Heather Anderson, and this is the FKT Podcast. Today, we're catching up with Kyle Richardson. Kyle is a runner and musician based in Boulder, Colorado, who specializes in technical mountain running. His recent FKTs include Long's Peak, a 14,000-foot mountain above Boulder, the first Flatiron, the Flatiron Quinvecta, and the descent on Boulder's iconic Green Mountain. Today, we're talking about learning a landscape intimately, how to move over technical terrain quickly and safely, as well as the freedom that comes with employing various skill sets to move over the landscape. Kyle recently got back from Rio de Janeiro, where he filmed a sequel to his running music film, Tempo. We discuss how Kyle went from feeling like running and music were opposing passions to viewing them as one continuum. So let's dive in. Hey, Kyle. Thanks for being on the show. Yeah, I'm excited to chat with you today. So it seems like a lot of your FKTs are on things that you are really familiar with, like things you do all the time. So I'm kind of curious about that methodology, like getting super familiar with a route and then how do you choose like when to set an FKT or does the FKT just happen and then you're like, oh, I set an FKT. Oh yeah, that's a great question. Uh, I really enjoy getting to know a place intimately and that just so happens that I live in a place where the access is is really fantastic. And so I find myself repeating routes over and over again and, and learning them and sort of honing the skills that it takes to sort of go fast on these trails. And so in the past, I've gotten to a point where you kind of obsess about the conditions and when the right day is going to happen. And lately, I've just decided that, you know, let's just go for it and see what happens. You know, some of it is you know, left to fate and a little bit of luck. And so it's a little bit of both of preparing yourself, but then also knowing that, okay, I'm ready. It's time to go for it and not get too stressed about whether it's the perfect day or the perfect conditions, because rarely you'll, rarely you'll get that. And so I think once you just kind of commit to it, that's kind of when it will happen. A lot of your FKTs, it seems like are scramble type FKTs. And so I'm kind of curious about that. And because, you know, I mean, I think most FKTs are just trail. And so what made you decide to kind of mix in like these, these scramble routes? And how do you stay safe doing a scramble route super fast? Yeah, so first, I think it's when I moved to Boulder is when I started to explore different types of, of technical terrain. And you know, was starting to run the trails around Boulder. And then I would look up at the rocks and be like, I wonder what it would, would be like to, you know, move off the trail, go up a rock face and then like continue the run. And so I was sort of playing around with mixing in these different technical elements into my runs. While also at the same time, climbing with ropes, learning sort of how to be safe in the mountains with gear. And, you know, when I was moving into doing these technical routes, you know, I was getting comfortable without using the gear, but on much more, you know, easier terrain, stuff with less consequence. And just, yeah, it's sort of learning what it's like to move fluidly between these different types of of features and not being um, restricted to just the trail. So I would like look up at a ridgeline or look up at a rock and be like, oh, I could run to the base of that rock and then go up the rock and then keep going. And so that kind of really started to kind of create this this idea that you you know it's much bigger than just the trail it's like the whole entire landscape what's what am i looking at what's what's aesthetic what what, what looks like fun to go up and 
so I experiment with that and sort of hone my skills by doing like lots and lots and lots of laps in the flat irons. And the flat irons are a unique landscape where it, there's miles and miles of like easy fourth class to easy fifth class terrain where you can really practice your skills. It's not, you're not jumping straight onto like a vertical face with thousands of feet of exposure. You can kind of dip your toes into the water a little bit and kind of work your way up through the, through the grades to see like, okay, like this is what five zero feels like. Let's see what five one feels like five two, you know, you can work up all the way. And I sort of draw a line somewhere where like, okay, that's my comfort level. Like I'm not going to go past that. And, you know, Alex Honnold's comfort level is clearly much, you know, greater beyond that. Beyond anybody's. Yeah, exactly. So it's like, in terms of learning the, the safety elements and how to stay safe with moving fast, I think it's a, it's a slow process. I always tell people never scramble or climb up something that you can't reverse. So like, say you're in the middle of a rock and you get to a, a spot where you're uncomfortable. So never put yourself into a position where, you know, you where up is the only option. So, um, I mean, you can definitely find yourself in those scenarios, but I tend to try to be really cautious and conservative. And I think from the outside, people probably assume like, oh, he just like, sprints up the rock or you know is doing reckless crazy things but it's really calculated and so i think ultimately in terms of being safe with doing something like setting the fkt on the first flat iron or the fkt on long's peak is it all comes down to repetition and sort of the practice that comes way way before even sort of learning the route it's more about learning the actual movement and and what it's like to be um kind of up there and dealing with the exposure and stuff when you finish one of these scramble FKTs, I would imagine you get to the end and you're just like, wow, I'm done. Because like, I would think you are so immersed in, cause you, you have to be thinking about what you're doing and then also constantly evaluating this, what you're just talking about. Like, is it safe for me to continue? Can I go back? Is it safe for me to continue? Can I go back? It must be an ongoing conversation. Yeah, no, for sure. It's definitely, it deposits you into that flow state super quick, just because you have to be really present and focused. Unlike maybe just running down the trail where you can kind of zone out. As soon as you, you know, click into that mindset and you're like, okay, I'm going to go fast. Or even if you're just going up the rock, like you have no choice but to kind of be in the present because there is that inherent danger. Um, right. But it, when it actually comes to executing, say, let's let's take the first flat iron record. I've done the first flat iron almost 400 times. So when I get wow. to the rock, it's not about uh, can I go up or down just because I know it so well, I know I can get to the top. I know mm -hmm. every single move. It's more of just execution. I'm in the flow state. Like my brain's completely turned off. I don't even stop when I get to the summit, you know, you just go straight into the down climb and you're running back down the trail to the, the finish before you can even process what's going on. Mm -hmm. um, and I would never really do something like that with something I haven't practiced. So yeah. I would never go to a mountain that has technical difficulties and try to impose that kind of style just because I've, there's too much unknown. There's too much risk mm -hmm. there for me. I would go do it maybe a lot slower, maybe with a rope, maybe with a partner, depending on how difficult it is. But if it's something like I, that I have done, you know, 400 times, I, I know what to expect. I know what's coming and it's going to be like, oh, is this, is my fitness there? Is it a good day? You know, do I feel good? It's like more of those things versus Oh, like, I don't know if I'm going to be able to make it up today or like, there's just not a whole lot of unknown. The unknown for me is like, mm -hmm. oh, can I go 10 seconds faster? It's very different than like a long through hike. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Yeah, there's a lot of difference to that. 
one of the things when I was, you know, kind of like looking at your website and and doing some research for this that um, struck me was that you've been running since you were a child, like that that was that's been kind of a lifelong um, modality for you. Mm-hmm. And then like when you moved to Colorado, you began, you know, like you said, experimenting with this more vertical world. And for me, I know like when I came from trails to climbing mountains, there was a moment where I got to the top of a summit and I was just like, like you said, the whole landscape. I was just like, I can go anywhere with enough patience and the right gear. Like it was, you know, I had been totally just like trail focused my whole life. And all of a sudden it was just this aha moment where I was like, oh, I can do all of this. Um, And so I was just wondering, do you have a specific moment you remember when you made that connection and that aha? I mean, I definitely had a lot of those small moments, even just like out my back door here above Boulder, like just being on any of the summits, you look west to the Continental Divide and you're like, oh, like. I wonder if I could go do this kind of thing up into the Alpine. I think it was probably after doing the LA freeway, which is this ridge traverse from Long's Peak to South Arapahoe, which was kind of one of my first big sort of mountain adventurous outings where I was, had, had, you know, trained all summer for it. And I was like, okay, like this is, you know, there's a lot of unknown with this. I've, I've practiced the different sections. I'm going to try to piece it together. It was kind of like after completing that and like, having it go well where I was like oh like this this kind of thing works like if you practice and um kind of put yourself out there but really study the route and kind of learn how to move more efficiently through the mountains that like this becomes like a real like yeah like a real way to travel and so it's like after doing that I think I was like okay I think you're you're starting to understand what it's like to move through the mountains like in a very small way because you know I still have a lot to learn, but it was, yeah, it was kind of after that where I was really starting to open my eyes in terms of what's possible out, outside. Yeah. It's nice when yeah you have those moments and you're like, oh, like there's so many possibilities out there. It's not, you know, just the, this, this one trail or this one peak or just this one way to move. Like there's so many different ways that you can move your body outside. And maybe it's, you, you take the trail to the top of the peak. Maybe you scramble the rock to get to the top of the peak. Maybe you you know, you circumnavigate all the way around and then go up the peak. It's like there's so many different ways to interact with the landscape that I think exploring these different little niches is, is at least for me, super exciting. And there is something to be said, like, you know, you do a lot of the same routes or the same mountains over and over and you begin to really develop a map in your mind of the whole landscape, not mm-hmm. just of like one trail or one route. You begin to you know, and I'm sure you've had moments where you've done like an alternate thing. And then you're all of a sudden you're just like, oh, I now understand how that valley that I've been on in this other context relates to this peak that I'm now on in a whole oh, new way because you yeah. connected the landscape. I love that. No, it's that's great to hear. I think, yeah, those moments, it's like, oh, this is why I go outside. It's like little things like that because you can get wrapped up with kind of the details about doing it. And when you just finally go out there and do it and have those aha moments, like outside while you're moving, you're like, yes, like this is, you know, it's just amazing to feel that. I read this in your bio where you say, I began to see my body as a tool and the mountains, the setting. And I liken them to a blank canvas blooming with possibilities to be creative. And this other whole aspect of you that I discovered when I was doing my research is um, that you're a musician and you have this great short video out there called Tempo. I think you worked recently on a sequel to it. And I'd really love to just kind of hear about um, the running and the, the, you know, the mountain travel and 
music and how those feed off of one another, how they relate to each other. Like these are obviously lifelong passions for you, but very different. And so I'm kind of curious how they influence one another and interact. I guess I'll start kind of with my music background. So I started taking drum lessons when I was 10 years old and then worked my way through middle school band, high school band with marching band orchestra all the way um, to moving to Colorado to study at the University of Colorado here in Boulder. The sort of my music career uh, path and and I was running during all of this, but like pretty um, casually, more just for exercise in a way to get outside and just sort of breathe the fresh air and to kind of explore explore your surroundings. And uh, when I moved to Colorado in 2014, I, I started to get more serious about running and, and just sort of do it more. And then I, I quickly caught the the mountain bug and was just all that's all I wanted to do. And they felt like two separate worlds. And I was like, how do I bring this together? How do I um, not have to pick between which one I like to do more, which one is going to make me money, you know? And uh, so I slowly just started to kind of evolve my mindset into, in, in terms of um, what it's like to actually go out for a run and what it's like to sit down and play the drums. It's like they seem so different, but ultimately for me, they're, they're pretty similar uh, in the terms of what I get from it and so, and sort of my dreams and goals for both of these passions are like slowly coming closer and closer together. So for example, like you'd mentioned with this film Tempo, which was created and, and filmed by my friend Thomas Woodson, it's about my passions of, of running and drumming and bringing those together in sort of a live improvisational sort of uh, performance. So as doing things like that it shed light on like, oh, there is this rhythm to running. There's like there's a heartbeat, there's a soul, there's a breath. There's all these things that you embody in music that are also like pretty similar once you start to kind of peel back the layers of running. Recently, I, I traveled to Brazil uh, to, to work on another tempo film that also showcases this, this kind of dual passion, but with, with someone else, like the opportunity to share someone else's story. I studied a lot of Brazilian music at university, and so this was an opportunity to kind of draw that deeper connection and, and basically give someone else the platform to, to kind of share the similar like-minded passions. It's sort of a continual process of me trying to figure out a way to yeah, bring these to, into one where it's not, oh, I'm this and that, and, and they're separate. It's like, oh no, these are the things that make me who I am. Uh, and so it feels a little heady and it's kind of hard to have them be tangible. But for me, it, it feels like very much like something that I do. I don't know. It's uh, it's kind of hard to describe, but it, at the same time, it's it's something that I'm constantly working through uh, and trying to, you know, bring them closer together. Yeah. I, as a fellow, like I'm not a musician, but I'm a creative, like I, I write creatively. And, and so as that I know you said you don't know if you're doing a good job explaining it, but like I totally resonate with what you're saying. Like okay, this, cool. <laughs> you know, like this creative aspect that like you don't necessarily think of athletics as creative or whatever, but especially when you are a creative person, like it's intertwined, you know. And so, mm -hmm. like the 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 athleticism that I do, like you know, influences my writing and that creativity that's inside me, you know, influences my actions and in, in nature too. So I was just gonna add that like running and these like outdoor pursuits as much as I'd love them to be like a sustainable sort of um path to go down like it just beats your body up like mm -hmm. I'm kind of dealing with the injury right now 
and it's you know the body is fragile but like the mind and like the creative outlet that stuff's always there it's like i can always be working on my music and it's almost times where i'm not running a whole lot or i'm dealing with the injury or something else is going on in my life where i can really like dig deeper into these like other passions to dig deeper into composing music and dig deeper into yeah anything that would sort of fuel that and so it is kind of a balance but they kind of feed off each other one of the things that I was curious about, and I think you kind of touched on this, was, you know, they've done lots of research that there are specific rhythms and beats that, you know, if you listen to, you know, them when you're running or whatever, it will inc naturally increase your cadence, like your body just falls right into that rhythm. So it's a, it's a technique for moving faster. And when you're trying to move quickly through a terrain in your head, are you creating the rhythm for your body to follow suit to net like is that something that goes on in your brain to push you forward and, and help you move more fluidly definitely to some extent i i get that i i think when i'm really on the cutting edge like really going really hard for something it's almost too overwhelming to even consider any other thoughts like i'm not thinking about anything you know and you're really like pinning it up the hill i'm yeah my mind's just not even thinking just because it's like the the effort is so intense you know but it's almost those sort of medium plus kind of effort days where you you feel so good, but you're not really trying to kill it out there. You're just kind of out for a run and you're having fun. That's when I have the music that's playing through my head. I find like when I'm going for an FKT or something, I like almost don't have the capacity to think about that stuff at the same time. Like I said, just because the effort's high, but those kind of other outings where, you're, yeah, you're kind of pushing yourself, but not, not too hard. You can still kind of have this dialogue internally. Uh, that's when I... I'm thinking about the rhythms and music and lately it's been thinking about samba which is like a kind of brazilian music and that that stuff's just like everything that's been in my head i'll even i don't really listen to music while i run but leading up to this trip i started listening to music while running and it was like i was just like dancing my way down the trail I, it was just it was in kind of an incredible experience with with this particular type of music that embodies lots of sort of rhythmic intricacies and um it just kind of embodies dance. So when I was listening to that while running, I like had this epiphany that like, oh, this is like the perfect running music or something, you know? So it, yeah, it just kind of depends on the, what the outing is. Was there anything else like you'd like to share about either music or your FKTs or your philosophy on, on mountain running that I haven't asked about? I mean, we kind of touched on the big one for me, which is, which is practice, which, you know, I relate to my music background and running. And I would say for people that, yeah, you know, I get the question a lot, oh, how do I get into doing things that are more technical? And, and ultimately, it's just to be patient and not rush the process of, of learning your body and learning what it's like to kind of work through different levels of, of, of technical terrain. It's like, don't go straight to the most difficult, intimidating thing that you see in your backyard, like maybe work your way up. There's no rush to kind of like go do something that's out of your comfort zone, like just because it sounds cool or it looks like the thing to be doing. I would say just, yeah, be patient and, and always go back to what you've, you've practiced. So if you've never run on like a, an exposed ridge line, like it's maybe not a good idea to just go do that without like kind of sampling what that would be like, maybe on a smaller scale, just so you don't, you know, go too far out of your comfort zone. I think it's good to push yourself, but don't, yeah, you don't want to cross that line. Uh, I think there's ways to, work slowly through that stuff and learn what it's like to to kind of introduce more technical terrain to your running or or to whatever it is that you like to do outside 
Yeah, I think patience is a often overlooked aspect of of pretty much everything in life, but definitely like FKTs, you know, people are thinking about um, the speed of it, you know, they're, they're thinking about, um, you know, getting there quick and like, they don't think about the patience it takes to get there quick. Um, so I think that that's really cool that you touch on that and you talk about that, that patience and that practice and that repetition to prepare yourself. For me, like, I think patience like when I'm thinking of like, oh, I have to be patient to go do like a lap up the first flatter and like, when's it going to be right to do that? Like, how do you embody that? Um, like with a long through hike, like on the Appalachian Trail, like how do you, how do you stay patient, even though it's such a daunting, overwhelming objective in the sense where the first flatiron record's 30 minutes, you can kind of wrap your head around like a 30 minute effort. How do you wrap your head around being patient weeks, weeks on end? I, don't, I, I can't wrap my head around that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's definitely a different type of, of mentality for sure. Um, like you, like I've done long distance backpacking for a long time before I said FKTs, like it was, there was repetition there. And, and so I was used to how to focus on the interim. I think that it's just like when you're running an ultra and you're like focusing on getting to the next aid station and doing that efficiently. It's similar. And when I'm not trying an FKT on a long trail, it's thinking about getting to the next town or whatever, but definitely there are days on, you know, a multi-week, multi-month effort where I'm just thinking about getting to the next water source because you just can't, because if you start thinking about the long term and how many more days you're going to be doing this and how much more pain you're going to be going through, it's brain overload. You know, you can't, you can't hold that in your brain. You can't hold that in your body. You have to really, and I, I think that that's one of the really beautiful things that I experienced was how, you know, you're talking about for this short effort and how you're very present and focused because you have to be and and you know at a certain level that's what happened to me too I had to be present one day at a time and, and stay very much in that moment because if I did begin to think too far out you know I would spiral and it, it becomes overwhelming and suddenly everything hurts more and I'm more tired because you know you're starting to think about how much longer you have to do this you know we were talking about a few of my different records and I was just wondering maybe what your opinion is on this or like what your beliefs are like and this kind of also relates back to practice like I'm pretty particular with the routes that I go for and I have a like I don't have a super long resume in terms of records or whatnot but I'm like pretty choice with what it is that I go after like what's in terms of FKTs exploding around the world like there is a sense of that people want to just chase the fact that they can have that little FKT by their name and like just kind of rack up as many FKTs that it is possible. For me, I personally believe those personal connections that you have to the routes and like, yeah, just kind of doing what feels right. Like, I, I don't know, I have a strong sense about w what that looks like in terms of like, oh, like going for a route or going for a record or something. Like, do you do you feel that way? Or like, what's, I don't know, I just see like with the, with the trend of FKTs, it's like a kind of like just trying to get as many as you can to have with your name, like, not necessarily like have these deeper connections with the routes or with the place. I don't have a very long FKT resume either. <laughs> Number of miles, it's pretty long. It happens that the routes, the routes <laughs> right. are long, but the, the list, list is short. short. Yeah, I don't know. Um, and it is. It, it's a, it's a yeah, proud it's list. Yeah, it's definitely like these were <laughs> these were things that were. I mean, I have a couple of really short FKTs that weren't meaningful to me. That just I did them, but mm. um, you know, things that I did in like less than one day. But, you know, yep. things like the AT and the PCT and the Arizona Trail, like my three big, long FKTs, you know, those were definitely more meaningful to me. And I, I hadn't done the Arizona Trail prior, but Arizona 
specifically was had meaning to me. Yeah, so I had these connections to the landscapes and the the FKTs were very much part of like a personal journey in a landscape mm-hmm. that was meaningful to me and and that's what meant a lot to me. Like this idea of setting FKTs for FKT's sake was not part of my decision making process. And um it, I mean everybody has their different yeah. Um, motivations and stuff but yeah mine was I think similar to yours it was you know choosing things that were meaningful to me or places that meant something to me to go after yeah so I, I didn't bring that question up just to say that like there's a right or wa- wrong way to do it mm-hmm. I just like I see a trend and it's just interesting to discuss like where where the sport's moving towards and like what maybe the future will tell but I just personally love hearing those personal connection stories to routes and someone that maybe they they tried the route like 10 times and they kept coming up short but they finally got it on the left time and they were just mm-hmm. like had this deep connection with it i just find those stories like super fascinating and and interesting yeah i do too um i hope to have more more of that kind of information or those efforts on the podcast for sure cuz those are very fascinating to me another question that i tend to get a lot is like oh will you come to this place and try this route or yeah like just like show up unannounced and like try to go for something. And personally, it's, I have like a hard time doing that just because I don't have a connection and I feel like it's not really my place to kind of show up and, and do that. It's like, I think there's a lot of ego attached to that. And it's, it's tough to like discern between like, Oh, is that leveling up in my athletic career? And this is like the next step. I need to go do the next peak and run at the fast time. Or can I be content with what I have already done and just do what flows naturally. I definitely struggle with that in terms of, do I need to go do something else this summer? Like what's, you know, you people ask like, what do you have, what do you have coming up? Are you going to go after any FKTs? Or the other day at a coffee shop, someone asked me like, what other FKTs do you have your eyes like set on? And I was like, I don't have my eyes set on any of them. Like I'm not really thinking about that. And so, yeah, it's just, yeah, it's interesting to, to talk about. (laughs) Yeah. I get that question a lot too. Yeah. So, and it is always kind of interesting. I'm like, no, I don't really have anything in mind. <laughs> are, you, are you training? Are you running? I'm like, yes, but I'm, I'm running for life. You know, like I, it's because I, I love to do it. It's not always for this end goal of, of, of getting the record. And like, obviously those moments are super satisfying and, mm-hmm. and rewarding, but it's not the whole, you know, it's not the whole picture. For sure. Yeah. I definitely appreciate you talking about like how many times you've done flat iron and, um, mm-hmm. How many times have you done longs and green before you set FKTs on those? Uh, so I've done longs a little over 50 times and the buildup for that in 2020, I think I had done it 13 times that summer or spring, like before leading up to, so I hadn't done it a ton, but definitely enough right mm-hmm. before to feel pretty dialed with the route. And then green, I've gone up Green Mountain almost 700 times. And that wow. Like, which sounds like a lot, but like some of my older friends that live here, they're like they've done it over like 1300 times thousands of ascents and it's kind of like the peak here in boulder that people love to keep track of and uh, everyone like laps them and so yeah it's just cool to be a part of that community that just loves to go up the same mountain and i think that that's great like to to give perspective too because like you said you know showing up to set an fkt on like a train you've never been on you know and i think a lot of times that's what people think you're doing oh you just went out the gate and set an fkt and there's so much, you know, practice that goes into it and, you know, repetition on the exact same route over and over and over um, before you set a record. And I think that that's, I think that's a great perspective and something important to put out there too, because I think 
it's so easy to only see the success and so you just think the success was easy or that it was quick or that it just happened. Whereas usually the success is the culmination of many, many attempts or failures, however you want to think about it, or just yep. practice runs, you know, and it's, uh, yeah, I feel like that makes it very hopeful for people, like rather yep. than just being like, oh, I could never do something like that. Well, I think it, it also takes a level of pressure off the situation in terms of like, you know, you're going, say your your goal is to go after some routes that are close to home. You can go do them whenever you want. There's no defined date, like a race where you have to show up and be ready to go. It's like, I can go try tomorrow, the next day, the day after that. Like, it, you know, no one's watching. Like, it doesn't matter. And I, I'm doing it for me. I'm not necessarily doing it to have the FKT. It's more of that personal journey of, of watching from lap one to lap 700. This is my progression. If you do practice something, you get better at it. It's not um, rocket science. I think I do have a level of natural talent, but I think also there's like a lot of discipline and, and, and repetition and practice to get to the point where I am right now. So oftentimes people overlook that step and it's just like, oh, how do I go from the, from lap one to setting the FKT? It's like, well, mm -hmm. go run it a bunch and like, you'll probably get there. Like, right. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, great. I really enjoyed talking to you about all of this today. Thank you so much for being on the podcast. Yeah, thank you. Thanks, Kyle, for coming on the show. You can check out all of Kyle's FKTs on the website, fastestknowntime.com. You can also follow his adventures on Instagram at Kyle Richardson. Thanks for tuning in. Until next time, this is Heather on the FKT Podcast. Thank you.